0: The recording.
1: Um. Yeah. Cool. How's that? Sound good. Yeah. Uh, is it started? Uh. <clears throat> yeah. Should we go ahead and get started with the intros though? Yeah, let's get started. Um. This is uh, Goof Troop Goes North. Uh.
0: This is the Magical Mystery Hour. Yeah. This. This <laughs>
2: is the. I was not informed of this. Uh. <laughs> I have not had enough coffee yet. Hour.
0: <laughs> okay. Cool. Awesome. Um. Uh, this is the Coffee Club. Uh. Recap. podcast that we're doing haven't figured out a name Uh, it's still tbd my name is david Farris. i'm a local web developer who has a passion for gaming and game development here in the dallas area Uh, and i i like to show up at gaming
1: events so uh
2: i'm eric brody i'm a producer and community manager
1: for an indie studio my name is michael sewell i'm a technical design animator at gearbox software just upstairs
0: sweet uh, yeah, so thanks to Nerdvana Coffee and Frisco uh, for letting us record this podcast in their podcasting studio. Uh, they are possibly still looking for people to record podcasts up here, so if you're interested, uh, come to Nerdvana and, and ask about recording a podcast. I they
2: guess. also have a rig for streaming as well, so if yeah. like you do streaming or you want to get into it and just don't really have a place to do it, um, it's kind of a fun place to do it that's not in
1: your bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> totally, so... Well, we have a guest today. Uh, Kevin, you want to introduce yourself?
3: I am Kevin Kirkpatrick. I am a former event manager who is also a video game enthusiast. I guess we didn't mention this is the uh,
0: first official uh, recording of this podcast. Uh, The the purpose, I guess, for this podcast is that we wanted to have a kind of central location to recap what we talked about at coffee clubs around the Dallas area. Uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, especially for the first episode, but I think it'd be good to mention in all, um, yeah, as a as a recap of the various video game open coffee clubs that are around the town, um, for anybody who has never been to one of those and somehow came across this on their own as well, um, essentially there are, as of now, three? Did the downtown one get going again?
0: Yeah, the, the, there's a downtown beer club, basically. That, okay, so as coffee a, club is still not so going coffee yet. Coffee club, there are two. Uh, and Beer Club is probably going to be We're including that as part late. of it. Yeah. So, so as of
2: right now, we have two. One in Plano at Whole Foods. Where? Uh, City Line. Whole okay. okay. Yep. And that starts at 7.30 yes. on Thursdays. And then here at Nerdvana in Frisco on Fridays at 8 o'clock. Cool. Yes. With hard
0: stops at 8.30 and 9 a.m. respectively so that people can get off to work uh, if they have uh, morning day jobs or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so, uh, basically at, at the coffee clubs, uh, we have a, a slight format where we talk about, uh, events that are happening, and I think that we'd like to talk about events that are happening in the area this week, uh, as well, so, um, two past events, I guess, that already happened, uh, that we talked about last week, uh, were the Global Game Jam, which we'll talk about later, uh, and then, uh, the Beer Club, uh, Ancillary, uh, Event to the coffee club about once a month downtown at Brain Dead Brewing. Uh, we meet up at 7 p.m. instead and drink beer instead of coffee.
2: Seems like there are a lot of events uh, that Brain Dead is trying
0: to do. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. yeah, so I mean, totally, yeah. I see what you mean. Well, the owner is really interested yeah, in investing yeah. and stuff. And uh, the owner went to uh, UTD, I think it was, and, and knows a lot of local game developers as well. So he's been pretty connected to uh, the game development community. Uh, and and that kind of stuff. Uh, or he might be the manager, not the owner. I'm not exactly sure.
1: I'm not uh, sure who but, you're talking about. I don't think uh, I've met the yeah, man. Yeah. yeah.
2: But, <laughs> yeah I but, know that I know that okay. our mutual friend Ray is yeah. um, friends with the owner is what okay, he yeah. said. So, so. yeah. Um, and so yeah, so if you are like into the gaming community in Dallas, I know totally just enough. check out like their f- events on their Facebook and there's oftentimes a lot of events that are happening that are centralized. Around some type of gaming because he's really invested in trying to make that a big hotspot for gamers over 21.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So
3: If you notice in the Dallas area that the idea of intermingling gaming and drinking is really taking <laughs> off, uh, considering that we've got um, the cidery slash arcade. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, cidercade.
3: Right, as well as uh, the free player. Yeah, free yeah, player. Yeah, play. <laughs> and uh, Richardson. So, uh, I, I think they've pieced together that uh, now that gamers are adults. And have money to spend and can drink yeah. that they want to do that all at the same time <laughs>
0: yeah so uh but you also don't have to be a drinker to engage with the game development community uh as well as you don't have to be 21 or older so uh that's the nice thing so if if we want to talk about upcoming events uh so as
2: you said um that the beer club takes place about once a month yep. um and like kind of there's a tournament. Um, at the VGOCCs, we kind of have, like, a little bit of, like, kind of, like, a structured hour of, like, kind of discussing a number of topics that we come with each week. Yeah. Does the beer club kind of go the same way? Because I've never actually made it to one myself. Yeah,
0: so the beer club has a very similar structure from the point of everybody introduces themselves at the beginning, and then we talk about uh, local events. But because we started around 7 or 7.30, instead of, uh, like, so instead of having an hour uh, flat. We usually have about an hour and a half to two mm-hmm. hours, uh, so it is a little bit more freeform. Uh, but then again, we're all drinking, so uh, so it becomes more freeform. It, as it becomes it more on. freeform as it goes on. <laughs> right. um, and and the nice thing about that as well is that you know if Mario Kart gets or if Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or anything gets set up early, then sometimes we'll like still be having discussions, but we'll, we'll be swapping out. We might be playing Switch. We might be doing something else. So uh, it's more of kind of that casual hangout with uh, friends and new acquaintances that will become friends by the end of the night, Uh, but still having that uh, gaming related
3: discussion. Uh, So, yeah. Um, If you want to have the most discussion, show up early. uh, Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The more time that everybody's (laughs) sober, the the more conversation we'll have.
0: Right, so. We hope to do more of them again, but haven't set a date for the next one yet. So there's that event. Uh, and then I guess, speaking of drinking, uh, next Thursday uh, is uh, the Game Dev Drink Up. So that's February 8th. Um, and that happens once a month as well uh, at Vickery Park in Plano. Uh, and it's uh, probably like, I don't know, 50 to 80 local game developers is usually. It, it, varies, it, it varies every it varies. month,
1: but it's usually a good time. And I, uh, the GD and DSOP both have other events coming up yeah. in February as well. Yeah. So uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess the next one is uh, DSOP is having uh, So DSOP is the Dallas Society of Play. They're a local indie game developer association here in town. Uh, and they're hosting an open micro talks. Uh, so basically, um, I think you can sign up online uh, at Dallas, or at societyofplay.org, I think is their website. Uh, otherwise, if you just search for Dallas Society of Play, you'll find them. Uh, but February 12th uh, at Node Coworking, uh, 7 p.m., they are hosting this event that basically anybody can kind of sign up to give a tiny little micro talk about something that that they're passionate about related to game development. So uh, there are people that talk about their, uh, their games that they've created and, and something like that. Uh, other times it's been people talking about uh, shader work or yeah. about how to animate sprites and things like that so um, it should it should be a good um, event a, a good group of people especially if you want to get connected with the indie game development scene here in Dallas uh, it's a really good event to go to so and then after that
1: uh, uh, yeah after that uh, on February 17th the IGDA and the A Bunch of Short Guys group the, uh, the film side uh, is hosting a winter party at the Richardson Civic Center starting at 6 p.m. Is that right? I thought it was a little later, but we, we can follow up on that later. May, maybe it's uh, a... <laughs> hmm. Anyway, um, it's the, the yearly... Yes, that evening. It's the yearly get-together uh, slash fundraiser thing so that we can support the local uh, communities. Yeah, tickets are
2: $20, um, yep. but it will be an open bar. Um, there will be tons of food catered. Um, I believe we're still trying to put the final touches together for a tournament. I believe that we're talking about Smash Brothers Tournament. Cool. Um, there will be plenty of games to play uh, as well as, speaking of DSOP, and uh, we'll have an indie alley as well. Um, so you'll be able to not only just play games out in kind of like the main hall, um, but then there will be a ton of locally developed games mm-hmm. that buy a bunch
1: of local developers to check out. Sweet. And uh, I believe we're also getting a bunch of VR headsets set up so that anybody who's interested in that area of games can check it out for themselves. And then uh, with (sighs) your ticket price, I think uh, you get entered
0: into the raffle, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, if if, if you've ever been to an IGDA uh, party, they give out a lot of free stuff, a lot of swag, uh, so... That's that's always one of the best parts of the... I mean, there are a lot of great parts about the party, but getting free stuff
1: is... David just fun. wants the free stuff. It's, it's, that's it's really what he's what there, there, for. there for. And mm-hmm. the later
3: you stay, the more people will give you their tickets True. So, as you go. Uh, yeah. By the way, it, the ticket page does say seven, not six. Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. so,
0: correction, that's, that's my bad. <laughs> I put together the events this week, and I did not do a very good job. So... Uh, yeah. Don't put me in charge of events. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think that that's uh, all of the upcoming events that we know about. Uh, mm-hmm. If we've missed any, uh, connect with us on Facebook or meet up or uh, find us wherever we post this podcast and let us know of upcoming events. So cool. Uh, and now to the recaps sure, uh, portion yeah. of the podcast. So we're going to, we're just going to kind of bring up the different topics that we talked about. Uh, if any of us really wanna kind of go down a certain path, maybe we will, maybe we won't, uh, but this way we can kind of have a, a nice comprehensive list of what we talked about at each of the clubs so you know what you missed out on uh, and uh, maybe you'll come and talk about it next week, so. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I, uh, I made it to the beer club like I mentioned before um, and again, uh, our, our primary focus initially was Mario Kart because that's what everybody was playing um, it was pretty cool. Uh, everybody had their Mario Kart stuff set up, uh, but we got discussing uh, playing Mario Kart on an N64 and kind of using N64 controllers. Uh, so I don't know how many of you have have played on an N64 recently, uh, but I remember growing up, that was like my main console, uh, and playing on those controllers was like, it, it just felt perfect to me. And now <laughs> that I go back after uh, after it's been a while playing, I'm like, wait, what am I holding? Like, how do I hold this Yeah, one?
1: It's, it's amazing how much games have evolved. Totally, yeah. You don't even think about it. You just remember the, the nostalgia, right? Yeah, I right? Yeah, mean,
2: and the controller, <laughs> like, uh, dis- determines so much, like, what the experience is mm-hmm. and, like, needs yeah. to reflect, like, the, the games that are developed and vice versa. And I think that one of the things a lot of people forget and like, the N64 controller is much more obvious than say like the first uh, original PlayStation controller in this regard in that people forget the first 3D games did not really have a second analog stick and any type of camera control. Um, And so (laughs) like the N64 is like, that's one of the oddest things when you first pick up that controller. Yeah,
1: it had a D-pad essentially with the C buttons for camera control, it was interesting. Yeah,
3: the original PlayStation controller didn't even have any Nope yeah. no nope. analog stick. It was just the, yeah. yeah.
1: In fact the N sixty four was the first console to introduce the analog stick. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Yeah.
3: On on that note real quick though, uh I wanted to chime in. My my friend has been six foot six since he was like 14 years old so when the Xbox came out with its ridiculously oh, giant liked that he was like finally
1: a <laughs> controller for me that's great and then they phased it out yep. they said, Screw you I' so upset
0: they're actually bringing back the Duke they are uh, yeah now for Xbox one so if I don't they, know they, when they they they're it releasing the
3: Duke that. Yeah, yeah it's called the I Labuke. like that. Yeah. I mean, I hate everything else about it, but I like that.
1: <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a fun controller. I like. I like that controller. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like was the placement of those black and white buttons. Like, they okay, were either yeah. too far, or then the later iteration, it was, like, oddly underneath where your yeah. thumb yeah. wants to go. And yet they it's got rid of them,
2: weird. I think, because, like, for the wrong reasons. I think that people just didn't like using them because of the placement, like you said. Yep. Yeah. I think it was a very <laughs> cool thing to have on there. Yeah. But, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, they eventually moved those to become the bumpers they oh. they didn't like they didn't originally have bumper buttons they just that's had triggers true. so they had oh, the same number that's of buttons
2: right. right they just became Changing shoulders okay no shoulders are infant are definitely better yeah, yeah. oh yeah
0: yeah <laughs> that's that's crazy um, but yeah so just kind of like thinking about nostalgia uh, and gaming and how you know we have these uh, like amazing memories of playing these consoles and these games uh, and then going back you're like I, I love that i'm playing this game and it feels great But at the same time, how did I ever play this game? How was I ever good at this game? Yeah. Like, playing Goldeneye especially, like, (laughs) without the dual Mm -hmm. analog sticks, it's like, how do you aim? Oh, well, if you click the R button, you're able to free aim with the
1: analog stick in the middle, but that's like so difficult to right. You had shots. to stop moving to do it. Exactly. Yeah. But did you know that that game also had a gameplay mode where you could use two and 64 controllers and effectively have two analog sticks? Oh my goodness. It did I back did then. You could do that single player with two controllers. Each stick controlled like one was movement. One was camera. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. Now I want to go try that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not anything. <laughs> <Okay.
0: laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, so we, Excuse we me. talked about that. Um, which uh, honestly actually uh, took a lot of our discussion time just because we were reminiscing about our favorite games. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, one, of the, one of the guys uh, that was at the coffee club uh, owns a game development studio that uh, works with uh, kind of local entrepreneurs and local people that want to create games, uh, companies, uh, and actually works with large companies as well. But basically... As a, a studio for hire, uh, to build uh, apps and games, uh, and they just finished building out uh, a game that currently the uh, the creator wants uh, to do uh, do it as a premium game sale uh, on on the app store. Just have it be a ten dollar game on the app store. Mm. By creator, uh, do you mean the client or the studio? The client. Sorry. Mm. So the the client wanted to do uh, a premium ten dollar app uh and they were kind of discussing whether or not they should go that route or if they should go the free-to-play route Mm -hmm. and introduce microtransactions or loot boxes or whatever it is so that kind of got us discussing how to monetize apps uh and that kind of stuff um and kind of the the big uh loot boxes came up later and later throughout the week uh, yeah we could do a whole yeah, hour podcast yeah, and, on that and, and or and five hours I would say let's not dive too deep into that but yeah uh, one of the main things that we talked about uh, at the beer club was that um, you can always take a premium app and make it free uh, but it's nigh impossible to take a free app and make it a paid app uh, if you don't want to piss off your entire community uh of people that are playing the app. Mm-hmm. So um, so kind of in discussing that, um, I think that people came around to the idea of, okay, maybe we'll start with this whole premium app version uh, if, if the client really wants to have a premium app rather than trying to switch back to it down the road. So um, yeah, just kind of an interesting.
2: Well, and uh, I think that's an interesting framing in that discussion as well in that um, it's not really necessarily a discussion of like you said, just uh, like the the appearance of loot boxes or the appearance of microtransactions in general, but instead focusing on it more, especially on the app store, um, uh, coming up with deciding which is the best kind of uh, method of payment yeah. um, based off of the economy of the app store as opposed to, you know, just, well, what's right, what's wrong, you know? Um, I, th- I would think that one element of that as well, and I'd be interested to know if it was brought up, is on one hand, uh, you know, you can always go down in price. You can't go up in price. Yeah. On the other hand, um, would it is it still smart for them to re- release as free-to-play just because you only get one shot at a launch, um, especially with how the jungle that, you know, the app store is? Um, would they ever get a second chance to, like, get up on front page or... Um, I guess that if they go free-to-play, they could run a new press release or something. Was that kind of discussed as well?
0: Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, basically, the the thing was is that it's a very niche app. Uh, it's a very niche game that not a whole lot of people know how to play, but people that do play... Um, Wh- which game is this, by uh, the way? Well, I don't know if I want to make Oh, okay. That's what, uh, uh, Since yeah. you weren't so, saying, I was yeah, assuming. So, yeah, yeah, okay. just, I, I don't know if I technically have permission to talk gotcha, about what gotcha. game it is, but basically... Um, Imagine, you know, a, a game that is kind of, it's, it's a known game that people know how to play, but not a whole lot of people know how to play it. Like a, like a bridge game, basically. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a community that is very passionate about playing that game. Um, this app is very well created and very well crafted for that community. The question is, will that community pick it up if it's a premium game, and will they make enough money basically for the game development to be worth it, or do they open it as a, a free-to-play, you know, let's get anybody playing this game, but the community might not be there because it's just not a large community of people that know how to play the game. So.
3: Well, towards the statement earlier about um, the, you only get one shot at a launch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that those of us who remembered when all of the MMOs switched from buying it outright and then a subscription to switching mm-hmm. to free-to-play and microtransactions, um, what you saw is that if they did it too early, it almost always killed them. But if they if they had like a full year run or a full couple of year run before they made the Switch, they could usually survive it. And so mm. it's it's definitely possible that if they expect that they can run the premium model for at least, especially in the mobile space, for an entire year before making the Switch... It basically becomes a sequel game to it. It's, oh, sure. we've, we've right, rebuilt right, yeah. it to function in this new way. It's so-and-so 2.0, and That's, we're good to go. Well,
1: I mean, the bigger question is, you know, how much how much funds can you put into, like, getting the name the word out there when, that you are going through to play? Because it's like it's a whole nother yeah, launch. Exactly. It's a whole nother marketing push. Totally. <clears throat> like, if you were to take a premium game now, like Destiny, for example, you know, the, the first Destiny, when that came out, that was a $250 million marketing campaign. Wow. If they were to come out with, you know, free to play, you come in and, and you know with the microtransaction stuff they have now. We're not gonna go into that. But <laughs> if they were to come out and say, Hey, this is free to play now, they'd have to do a whole nother marketing campaign to get as many users jumping in yeah. as they did initially. Well but again,
2: I, I think that's even still and that's what was so interesting about the framing of this discussion is um that's a completely different market from the app market and yeah. from the app store. You're absolutely so that's right. that's what I found really interesting sort of about like, yeah. that and like kind of that side. Yeah. So yeah.
0: But so I guess speaking of uh, monetization of games and things like that, we can shift into a little bit of what we talked about on Thursday at the Plano Coffee Club. Uh, uh, there's uh, a few different speaking of apps, uh, Trap Adventure 2 came out and it kind of blew up Twitter at least for a little while. I don't know if any of like,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. I think I saw. I mean a ba- basically, on it's that. a Super
0: Mario clone, uh, but it's extremely difficult. Uh, from the perspective of Well, like, it's, it, it's a rage game right yeah, like it's, yeah, I want to be the guy yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. be the guy or I want to yeah. be the boshi yeah, or exactly. one of those um, but so um, the thing that I found funny about it was that you know like you'd you'd be playing and and just like I want to be the guy and in, in those types of games like you know it would it would try and trick you and then you'd die and you'd laugh about dying because it was just such a silly way to die um, but the the way that they monetize that game is that um, you it's it's free to download and you can play it, but you have a single life, uh, with it being free. And then if you want to have multiple lives, uh, you can buy like the I think it's like you get ten lives per run if you purchase the game. And the game is a dollar ninety nine cents. So mm. uh, just like interesting. Now I don't know how successful that is from from like how much money they're actually making doing that, uh, but at least from from a way to get press about your game uh get people excited, having it free, uh and then having like a buy-in that doesn't just seem like here like it's not necessary to buy into the game if you're really good at the game.
2: And the lives are being a rage game, the lives are an integral part of like the feedback loop. Yeah and so correct. that's kind of interesting in its own yeah. perspective too. Well, so, you know. It's
3: also curious because it's effectively buying a difficulty level. Kind you're, of you're yeah. buying mm-hmm. easy mode. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's not yeah. really easy mode. It's more along the lines of you can keep failing longer mode. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. But, I mean, a game like that, watching it be played, it's a, it's a memorization game yeah. more yeah. than it is, like, yeah. a hard challenge. So, no matter what, that one life is going to get taken yeah. over and over yeah. and over <laughs> until you memorize everything the game's going to throw at you. Yeah. yeah, So, really, it's just a test of your patience and whether or not you want to pay to have to test your patience less. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I don't know. Just I, I thought that was interesting.
3: I do think that that dollar price point is a very smart price point for them too. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, simple and easy.
0: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So um, that
0: was that was my segue. I'm known for great segues. <laughs> um, but we also two
3: wheels and a handle. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but so we also speak like we we talked about a few other new games that uh, had come out, were about to come out. Uh, so we talked about Iconoclasts, which. Uh, seemed to kind of be another thing that that was <coughs> trending on indie game developer twitter for a while uh and uh seemed like a cool game i haven't played it yet i don't know if any of you mm-hmm. have played it um, no i'm but, not even familiar um uh basically um i guess i should probably know more about it uh, to talk about it but uh metroid-esque game in that uh
3: 2D. Can we use the phrase dungeon explorer type
0: uh, uh maybe i shouldn't say side scrolling yeah, dungeon to two explore- d two d side scrolling platformer okay. uh to the best of my knowledge uh maybe maybe i need to kind of like Zelda two dungeons
1: looks like an action platformer yeah is so what they're calling so considered an
0: going. action platformer but uh very uh interesting use of like weapon upgrades and things like that basically you play a mechanic uh who goes around becoming a better mechanic getting upgrades and things like that but uh it it's a very uh it has a pretty strong story uh that people seem to like Um, and it's got a cool art style that's the thing that i liked about it
1: yeah i'm looking it up now it's uh it's very pretty very color uh colors are very saturated um, but it definitely it looks very similar to metroidvania kind yeah. of game so uh, it,
3: uh, it like reminds me a design. lot of visually of the kind of Super Nintendo style uh, as far as like the bright colors and, yeah. and mm-hmm. know, totally. yeah a lot of times you don't get that on in the mobile space you'll still get some bright colors but not that sort of palette
0: yeah. well and this this was actually uh, it's on steam and and platforms.
3: Yeah, it looks know. like Vita, right. PS4, no, I, PC. I understand. I was oh, just, oh, anyway, I, yes, yeah. I was just saying the <laughs> place that we get a lot of bright colors these days tend to be mobile. I mm-hmm. see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um,
1: well, I think we've we've kind of moved out of the era of brown that was the 360 to 316 PS3. I am era. thankful of that. That yeah, is true. Yeah. Uh, this past generation has been much much more interesting. In yeah.
3: We've got to poke it with a, l- thing I mean, a little, I mean, I mean, a more. great
1: example would be like, uh, interspace, which just came <laughs> yeah. out. Like that game yeah. is, is, if we so had pretty recorded like, palette, if we had been you know? keeping up with podcasts, yeah. one, that would
2: have been the topic. Of yeah. yeah
1: should, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I mean that, that is, that is blue and orange, the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just poking fun at Eric who yeah, just released, yeah. uh, interspace last week. Yeah. Congratulations again. Thank by you the way. very much.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. so I didn't, I didn't mention the studio that I worked for. yeah. I work for Polly Games and we released our first game, Inner Space. Yeah. I can only say that for so long before it's not news anymore, know, right? so, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: my apologies, not last week, the week before last. Yeah, it was January 16th, <clears throat> cool. so. so. Yeah. On all platforms. Yeah, it is, yeah.
0: Uh, and I, I picked it up. I, I'm enjoying it on my Switch, uh, so. That's
3: Define all, right. all platforms. <laughs>
0: minus mobile.
2: Yeah, minus mobile, all okay. of the current major platforms. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. so Switch, Xbox, ps 4. Picked uh, up on and Sega
0: Genesis. No, not
2: yet. Uh, maybe we're working on it. Yeah. Um, and then even on desktop, um, it's
1: PC Mac Linux. So oh. yeah. Can I get that in yeah. Rotoscope? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, that's the wrong thing. You're, no. I think you're looking for Rotovision. That maybe? Or Oscilloscope? Maybe that's it. Maybe that. We just said it Anyway. Yeah. Rotoscope
3: is animation
1: style. Uh, joke done goofed. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so um, I guess other games that uh, launched last week uh, were Dragon Ball Fighter FighterZ uh, and Monster Hunter on the exact same day, uh, Friday. So on Thursday, we were talking about them coming out. Uh, and Celeste, too. And Celeste, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just, just a, a, a good a week, a good for, week you. for you. I, yeah, yeah, no, no.
3: I would like to say that uh, my wife at yeah. dinner last night was like, so have you seen the stuff from the new Monster Hunter game? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself why is my wife asking me about video games? Uh, Because she plays two. Yeah. um, And that's about it. Um, So I said, no, I haven't seen the stuff about the new Monster Hunter game. Why do you ask? And she says, because you get an adorable cat. Nice. And... Yeah, my coworker did the same thing.
1: Uh, The other day, Matt, who you guys know, he came up to me. He's like, all right, I'm buying Monster Hunter. You customize your own cat. No, that's good. What he doesn't know is that that's been the way of Monster Hunter for the past, like, five years. I don't think
2: that you had a full character customizer, though. And that's what it is for this one. Yeah, you can complete... Like, the character customizer for your Palico in this is, like, almost as robust as your main character customizer. You're right, you're right. And speaking
3: of the main (laughs) character customizer... uh, from what I understand, there is no restriction on what sort of hairstyle or anything, so that's, you can have. That's not true. I, I'm well, sorry, no, I've been no. playing it over the weekend. I'm, so. I'm, I'm not done with my. Oh, sorry, as far as uh, if you have a male character versus a female character, hair, you can still have. You can have a male character with ponytails. You can like it gives you a lot of that variety instead of locking you in like some other
1: character creators do. Yeah, that's true. And even female characters, you can put on facial hair, uh, beard, mustache, anything you want there. That's great.
3: (laughs) And as somebody who recently saw The Greatest Showman, I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: there you go. The bearded lady.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah. So I guess, so you're playing Monster Hunter. Are you playing Monster Hunter,
2: Eric, I'm not. uh, I did spend a long time chatting with a couple friends and watching them play on PlayStation this weekend, and we were chatting over Discord. So I watched somebody play it for a long time, but I didn't really play it this weekend, no.
1: I've been... My roommate's really big into Monster Hunter. uh, Sarah, Toby... Yeah. uh, She's been into it for a long time. She's been trying to get me into it for the past, like, three or four releases. And I've tried... A couple times on the 3DS titles that came out. And uh, for some reason, they've always just kind of pushed me away for whatever reason. And so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll pick this one up. I'll give it a shot. But if this one doesn't reel me in, then I think I'm done trying Monster Hunter. Uh,
3: uh, I have read articles that have said that this this one is being hailed yes. as the one you can jump yep. into yep. if you haven't been able to jump Well, into.
2: and that's what I find so interesting about, like, your story with Matt and then, like, your story with your wife is that, like, Capcom must be freaking out because that is exactly what they wanted with this game. Mm -hmm. Um, This Mm -hmm. game was, uh, because I mean, Monster Hunter is notorious like known for, yes, there is some interest in the West and from American gamers and from European gamers in these games, but it's a little bit more of a niche audience and it's not a niche audience in Japan. Um, Everybody plays Monster Hunter over there. Um, And so they really wanted this game to finally be like, okay, we are going to introduce the fun of Monster Hunter to... The rest of the world, and um, it seems like they've been successful in that.
3: Also, full disclosure: uh, my wife learned about it specifically because people sharing videos of cats yeah. meowing at the cats on the screen. Well, there yep. is the so that virality <laughs> is definitely playing into That's it. Well, I mean,
2: and again, like they're they're super smart about it in that, like in just modern digital marketing it is known that if you put a cat somewhere on your post you will do a certain percentage better in engagement like it's just it's silly
1: but you know this this whole uh this new monster hunter is is trying to gather in more people right as as we've been saying and they've been doing a great job of that that said it's still having having played a good like maybe six hours of it the weekend uh they still take for granted how many people already know all the mechanics of the game? Yeah, and they are really not the best at teaching you what things are, what status effects are, what I mean it's it's kind of a, a cluster uh, though I, I though
2: I also argue UI. they've never done that and that's always been one of the things of Monster Hunter, is they expect for you to learn on your own. Mm. And that's one of the reasons that it's always kind of been a more niche game. Um, From what I understand, they're explaining more in this game than they ever have before, but they're really still keeping a lot of, like, the systems at arm's length and, like, expecting you to figure it out on
1: your own. Uh, Now, I wouldn't mind that so much. That's kind of how, like, the Dark Souls games are. It's how a number of recent titles have been. Uh, The problem being that they, they shove UI in your face like crazy, and there's always a button, there's always an icon, there's always something, and they, they do a very poor job of explaining what does what and why. Mm. Uh, for example, sharpness is a huge mechanic in the game, and I had no idea why all of my weapons were bouncing off of enemies' hides mm. until like I noticed the, the bar in the corner and a whetstone in my inventory. <laughs> and there was no explanation about yeah. sharpness at yeah. all. Yeah. <clears throat>
2: so I, I'd say that the, this is going to be kind of jumping ahead a little bit. Yeah. This is one of the discussions I think that we're going to probably have in all of the VGOCCs yeah. this week, because I have a lot to say on that that I think yeah, is actually yeah. really cool about that design. Cool. Sure, yeah, sure.
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for so
2: that. So if you're going to be there this week yeah. at any of them, have some. be ready to talk Monster Hunter, because yeah. I'm sure that at least one of them we're going to be talking yeah. about. Sweet. And
3: then you'll hear about it on the podcast next week. Next week. Exactly. Yes. Um,
0: so, so speaking of accessibility uh, and making things fun uh, for people to play, uh, we also talked about Nintendo Labo. Labo. Oh, yeah. I thought it was Labo.
3: Labo. Yeah, like Labo. short Labo. for laboratory. Yeah, that I think. makes
0: sense. So yeah. Nintendo Labo, we we brought up. It, it was announced a couple weeks ago, but uh, there were a couple people that hadn't heard about it. So uh, basically, for anybody that doesn't know, Nintendo Labo is the like Nintendo cardboard, basically. Um, so uh, you can. As in, like, Google Cardboard. Yeah, as in Google Cardboard, but Nintendo's making cardboard, uh, assemblable cardboard... Cardboard peripheries for the Switch, uh, that some of them have, like, circuits within them so that you can, like, play piano with your Switch, uh, and others, uh, are basically just allowing you to use the gyroscope in a lot more intuitive of a way. Um, so... Uh, but it's all about creativity uh, helping kids as, as I mean it's, It looks like it's geared towards kids, but I know a lot of adults are going to have fun uh, mm-hmm. Expressing their creativity with Nintendo Labo. So I don't know if there's anything else
1: you guys wanted to talk about there, but um, It's mm-hmm. it's interesting for sure when I first saw that I was you know, I was like this, is, this seems pretty neat I'd yeah. like to try it out, but I showed my girlfriend the video and she, her eyes lit up. She's like, this is like Legos, but Nintendo. Yeah. She's super excited to try it That's out. cool. So with her enthusiasm, now I'm also kind of excited That's to cool. try uh, it cool. So.
3: I know some parents that are very excited because mm-hmm. it's, uh, it takes a lot for a parent to, for sometimes for parents to get involved in what their kids yeah. want to do. And this is something that they really feel like can bridge the gap.
0: That's really interesting that you say that. I So maybe like a year or two ago, uh, I'm really involved with the startup community here in Dallas. Um, and I had a lot of people, uh, that were like entrepreneurs and parents asking me about Minecraft, uh, you know, two, <laughs> two, three years ago. Uh, and like, oh, do you think you'd be willing to like teach a Minecraft for parents lecture or something like that? And I was like, that's kind of a weird thing, but maybe. Uh, but I think that this whole like idea of gaming with your kids, uh, and, and having this ability to at least help your kids create something and be a part of that process, uh, and then them kind of showing you how they use this creative tool uh, to play with their Switch and maybe even allowing yeah. parents to play with that, I think that sounds really, really cool um, and is a great opportunity for maybe some pop-up workshops here and there of yeah. like Kids Camp Nintendo Labo Edition where it's just like, you have a bunch of cardboard and exacto knives and it's like, like let's knives uh, and like, <laughs> let's, let's create some.
1: No, I wasn't cringing at your pronunciation of knives. knives. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it yeah. was just the idea of handing a bunch. of. Oh knives. yeah. yeah knives. I was going to yeah. say, or just, yeah, let's just have a daycare <laughs> or, of kids with knives. I
2: mean, maybe it's
0: like sketch it out on the cardboard and then we have a parent supervisor Very. cutting things out. But it is like a cool evolution. Yeah. Like
2: yeah. It, it is a cool evolution of like, I, I never thought of, that, that would be an interest of parents yeah. on, on Minecraft, but it totally makes sense in that, like, it's a cool evolution of, like, years ago, of, like, um, the mom or the dad helping to you know, and showing the kid how to build a tree fort or something like that. Or like when I was growing up, um, one of the things that my dad and I did kind of after he got out of, cause like he's the one that introduced me to video games. And like, so we played a lot, like when I was really young and then he got out of it. So then like our thing that we did was uh, at least creatively is we built model train sets and like we would do that. And, um, so I think that's a cool evolution of like kind of maintaining that parent kid, like kind of creative, uh, relationship that you can have. So,
0: that's really cool. Um, um, we we'll yeah. move on to Frisco. Yeah. So yeah. So we talked about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Frisco. Um, you guys want to lead the discussion? Uh,
2: yeah. So I mean, I think that for because we were discussing what we, we had discussed in the other meetings, we got into kind of discussing loot boxes and monetization and stuff like that for for a long period. Um, and again, I think that like a lot has been said on that, and that could be its own thing. And if you're at one of the meetings, then yeah. You heard it all, and if you were not, then you've probably still heard a lot of the arguments for and against. Um, But two of the other things that we did discuss um, is uh, one of them that was brought up right towards the end, and I don't think that we got as much time to discuss it as we, as I would at least like, and I would love to have it again. Is uh, you had mentioned like Metroidvania before, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, I don't remember who it was that brought up. Yeah, yeah. Evan brought up the fact that he had finally finished Hollow Knight. And his argument it was that it's the best Metroidvania ever made. Um, which, of course, is, you know, an interesting subjective statement in yeah. its own right, but it is a very, very good game. But then his point that then, I think, was kind of the, the, the core of that discussion is um, what makes a Metroidvania? Um, yeah. Is that even a genre in its own right? And then he then essentially dropped the mic and walked away yeah. <laughs> by saying that his argument is that Zelda is also a Metroidvania, uh, which was an interesting point yeah, of discussion to leave that. it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i could i could actually see zelda being a metroidvania um yeah you and Matt yeah, i've been thinking like these are my my personal favorite genre and have yeah. been since castlevania symphony of the night okay. i've been playing these okay. metroid and all these i wish that you time. were there for this discussion yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
2: uh, because i actually argue that it's not a genre um and that metroid like metroid and castlevania are very different games Um, and that really in reality, especially if he were to bring up that is Zelda a Metroidvania, I think at that point all that we're talking about is gating systems in games, and so then we're just essentially arguing that all games are Metroidvanias at that point.
3: So my statement um, was that there's a difference between a gating system that works using a key and a gating system that works using the acquisition of a gameplay element. Sure. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about in a Metroid game, you've gotten a missile and that means you can get several different doors that you couldn't get before but missiles have a use from you know blowing up stuff so that functionality how you play the game changes yes where in a situation like uh the castlevania games and this is one of my why i feel like castlevania and metroid shouldn't be this hybrid metroidvania is because in Castlevania games, it's almost always you have to beat a boss to move on. It's not about the equipment that you get. It's about, oh, I've killed this thing, and now I can go to a new part of the, the, the world. Mm. Um,
1: my, Michael has an issue. No, no, please continue. You you, oh, and like then you a... I, My last <laughs>
3: statement was that Zelda does some of both of those things and then also throws in the key gating. And yeah. so that's why, you know, those, thing, the, those are all very related, but I would agree that it's not a genre, Exactly. it's just, it's a term it's, of a type of gating system within a game.
2: It's, it's a presentation and like kind of just like a level design principle. Um, instead of having just like sequence based levels, you're, you're essentially giving the entire level, the entire environment exists in one level and then it, again, is gated in some sort of fashion. I mean, from that same perspective, and I guess that you could give this argument, but Dark Souls and Bloodborne are both Metroidvanias as well from that perspective.
1: I both agree and disagree with that last statement. Yeah. So, uh, part of the reason that I love the Dark Souls and, more specifically, Bloodborne so much is because it feels like the first true th- evolution of Castlevania into mm. the 3D space. Yeah. Uh, specifically the way that the level design loops back in on itself, so suddenly you're discovering new shortcuts Bloodborne and opening especially. up... Yes, yeah. Bloodborne is very yeah. very good at that. Plus their theming is like right on the nose for yeah. Castlevania, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the visual design. Um... <clears throat> But I don't think that... I mean, a Metroidvania game is encompassing a number of mechanics. Uh, One of the biggest of which is exploration and finding new paths and unlocking new shortcuts. Uh, The next biggest of which is unlocking um, not just new weapons that open doors, but also major movement mechanics in the game. So things like double jump, wall jump, morph ball, stuff like that. Uh, And third, the thing that's most important is that feeling of... Growth in power mm. in Metroidvania games, you know, like uh, <clears throat> if you look at the old Castlevanias, you're right. You progress by going through a series of levels, beating a boss, and then you go to the next series of levels. And they were they were very challenging. They had a lot of movement restrictions, and they never expanded upon those. But it was it was another memorization kind of game, the originals. Then Symphony of the Night comes along, uh, following in Metroid's footsteps, <clears throat> and essentially flips the whole level design aspect on its head. It's no longer linear. It's now explore as much as you can, discover as many secrets as you can. And, and they did introduce
3: yes, abilities that changed how you navigated the space.
1: Yes. And I think that's what defines it to me. It's the combination of level design, uh, expansion of movement mechanics, and uh, <clears throat> and that character growth.
3: So maybe maybe the style, let's use that instead of genre. Yeah. Uh, sure. Is a Metroid type style, and it's just over time. Castlevania has become more Metroid-like.
1: Sure, why not? <laughs> Interesting. It is funny
2: that you do bring up. Um, that's part of the reason that you like uh, Dark Souls, and specifically like Bloodborne, um, is because like of the evolution of a design print, like design principles that were introduced, you know, twenty years ago with with one of your favorite games, like with a Castlevania-style game. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, part of the reason that I'm really big on Dark Souls is because I see a lot of um, it being a finally an evolution into the 3D space of Mega Man style of game. Huh. Um, in that, again, not necessarily in, uh, like, the core mechanic of Mega Man of, like, beating a boss and being able to, like, upgrade your you know, upgrade stuff, like, and it, it, that element, but more from the way that the levels are actually presented to the player and mm-hmm. the way that the... Especially in Mega Man there there are like two main elements that I enjoy about playing Mega Man games is one what you're talking about how it's the trial and error and practicing and memorization Mm -hmm. of enemy uh, of enemy attacks and like where in enemy placement, but then also then just then the actual execution of that as well Because then on one half you have to actually learn how to do it and then on the other half You also have to actually do it and I actually really and that's that's one thing that I adore about that game And that's one thing that I adore about the Dark Souls games as well, so that that just was interesting to me. That mm-hmm. like it's it's an evolution of a lot of design principles from the past few decades uh, that have been pulled it that, that have pulled in a lot
3: of different things. I think for a lot of different people, yeah. maybe but. that's why it's so popular.
2: Maybe who knows? Or just people just like to. Uh, Die a lot, and they just think idea. that's funny. In the meme of, uh, well, then who cares me, about good game design? We <laughs> die a lot. Oh, it's yeah. hilarious.
1: Get good. That yeah. makes me kind of want to <laughs> yeah. kind of want to lead into the discussion about uh, how every game is the Dark Souls of Blood, uh. and everybody's comparing everything to Dark Souls just because it's difficult, right. right? Like, I think what makes a Dark Souls game is exactly what you pointed out yeah. the memorization, the level layout, yeah. the the you know, going through this area, completing the boss at the end of it, it's challenging. you got to memorize things right and learn the enemy yeah. patterns to get uh, forward and move on to the next area, right? Yeah. I think that's what makes a Dark Souls or a Mega Man not the difficulty. No. Mm-mm. Because yeah. if you play played Dark Souls or Bloodborne or any of those long enough, it's not difficult It's anymore.
2: not hard. It's just it takes time to learn. Right. And yeah. patience.
3: But, yeah. but also us as a community like saying, this is the new fill-in-the-blank. Like, oh, yeah. this is no, the very new WoW. So. This is the new, I mean, we just do that.
2: Well, it made me think of, like, you had discussed, uh, um, uh, I think the, oh, I Want to Be the Guy in, like, Rage Games had yeah, come yeah, up yeah. before. And, like, one of the things, because of its difficulty earlier this year, people were saying, like, Cu- uh, Cuphead, Cuphead is like Dark yeah. Souls. And it's like, oh, no, it's, yeah, not, that it's is, not at oh all. But what was actually really interesting is I don't remember who it was. It might have been uh Mark Brown from Game Makers Toolkit it might have been Snowman Gaming I'm sorry I don't remember who it was but essentially it was a youtuber and his argument was that uh it's actually it, uh, Cuphead actually takes a lot of inspiration from rage games um and that that's actually the if it were to be defined in a genre other than of course just you know, action platformer shooter, yeah, that that's actually really kind of the true genre that it fits in is the trial and error of rage games of like I wanna be the guy and stuff like that, which I found really interesting.
1: See, I don't I don't know. Uh because I feel like I've I've played through all of I Wanna Be the Guy and I Wanna Be the Boshi. Uh and Wow you games, masochist. I, well, I was in high school <laughs> back then. But anyway <clears throat> uh Those games... Rage game is is a good term for those because they specifically throw things at you that you wouldn't expect just to mess with you. You're supposed to fail. Right, right. You're supposed to fail and learn. It's a trial and error game, right? Uh, Cuphead, I feel, fits more of a bullet hell slash platformer than it does a rage game because the main difference is that all the mechanics... uh, that you're going to see are are clearly outlined to you and you you're given a clear path on how to complete your objective it's a matter of execution and trial and error to remember you know what got you last time okay make sure to avoid that this time Mm -hmm. that kind of thing which kind of fits with the rage game thing but it's not throwing curveballs at you just to mess with you yeah and what's interesting to me is the new game celeste that came out yeah all of the mechanics are very similar to I Want to Be the Guy. And, like, the, the wall jumping, the platforming, the latching on, it's, it's extremely similar, except they, uh, they clearly outline the path that you can take, or multiple, depending, yeah. uh, multiple paths you can take, and it's a matter of, of execution on it and trying to get you know yeah. gain some skill in the game. Cool.
3: See, when I was a kid, we just called those types of games Ninja Gaiden 2. Sure, yeah, Ninja yeah. Gaiden, style or we just games. call them
2: games. Or just <laughs> <on that>. yeah. <laughs> I, I
3: remember playing the the Spawn Super Nintendo game, and that had a difficulty level like nobody's business because the controls basically didn't allow you to get through unless you knew exactly what you were doing. That was a great game. And same thing with Comic Zone, if anybody remembers. Yeah, uh, you you always know it's a good game if you enjoy it, but you only got twenty percent through the game.
0: <laughs> mm. So I think that that's actually a good topic for next week or this coming week as well, is difficulty in games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, that's something that is probably cliche to talk about. Uh, But at the same time, like, uh, I'm somebody who grew up uh, both uh, not using and also using a lot of cheat codes. Um, And uh, I think that, like, it, it... Created an interesting uh, experience on both sides of things, uh, and possibly was a strong part of like how games got developed. Thinking about how cheat codes could be used uh, yeah. and hiding them in games, um, so or and like,
2: putting them in the magazines. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was yeah. literally was what Nintendo Power yeah. existed for. Yeah. So
0: uh, that's that's something I think that we definitely don't have time right now to talk yeah. about. Uh, but I I would like to throw that on the topics for next week. Uh, so. uh, And I think this leads well into kind of trying to wrap up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, uh, coming coming next week, uh, we mentioned talking about Monster Hunter uh, and the kind of design of those games. I know Eric has a lot to talk about. So uh, at least, uh, so if you're interested in talking about Monster Hunter, uh, Eric is definitely going to want to talk about that. Uh, So that would be Friday in Frisco. Uh, would be a great one to come to. If you and can if anybody's it. played DBZ Fighters. Uh, oh, and DBZ yeah. Fighters. Yeah, I know that um, uh, somebody, I can't remember who we were talking with about DBZ Fighters, but somebody at the golf clubs was talking about going to be playing that. So, yeah. uh,
3: Oh, I believe that was Zach.
0: Okay, yeah, you're right. It was Zach, sorry. Uh, so uh, Guest for next week? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I think he actually might have gone there. Was so that that's one other thing we talked about. There was a DBZ Fighters uh, tournament this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, wow, launched a launch day tournament. Yeah, um, and I think Zach was planning on going to it, so uh, we will have to ask him about that uh, at at this coming coffee club, and maybe yeah, he can be a guest for next week to yeah. talk about that. Uh, but then also uh, talking about uh, difficulty in games, cheat codes. Uh, and games you know not using them anymore or not not really having a reason to because they aren't trying to sell game magazines or whatever it is the the internet i mean well like, and can, the
2: shift in kind of design recently as exactly, well of like yeah. kind of wanting like uh, as, as games have gone to a much larger audience like yep. wanting to make it a little bit more ease of access yeah. and yet at the same time like they're not just because of like the reward sensation of like actually doing it, but then of course like we could get into the discussion of like flow as yep. well in games and like that that's what you're trying to eventually achieve is yep. just that feeling of I know what
0: I'm doing and like that that zen yeah. mode that you get into. Well, like so. when you play Batman Arkham Asylum or something and you finally figure out the dancing, like the dancing combat a- aspect. I just want to throw in I would doesn't.
1: consider Arkham Asylum or Arkham City a Metroidvania. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, Asylum, especially. Yeah. Asylum, yeah. especially. very yeah. fair. A very linear, yeah, but yeah. yeah. I That's mean, cool. City and all the Arkham games, are except Origins. Origins is not. Okay, yeah. But yeah, all those but are yeah. so yeah. Anyway, discussion sorry.
0: topic for, uh, for this coming week. Uh, so the other thing that I was going to say is uh, if we happen to miss anything from this week uh, or any events or games that came out that uh, you wanted to talk about, uh, please, again, let us know. Uh, we're on Facebook at the Video Game Open Coffee Club. Uh, also on meetup uh, video game open coffee club Uh, we might end up changing that name but at the moment that's what it is Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, feel free to connect with us and let us know uh, what it is that you're interested in Um,
2: there is also a discord um, and so if you want to continue these discussions um, that can happen there as well
0: yeah so uh, we'll figure out an easier way to uh, join the discord uh, further on but again for right now if you Connect with us on Facebook or Meetup. We can make sure that we get you connected to Discord, um, and then uh, yeah. So uh, I guess like I said, this is this is the weekly recap of the the coffee clubs in the area. Thursdays uh, in Plano, uh, seven thirty at Whole Foods City Line, uh, or Friday in Frisco uh, at Nerdvana Coffee at eight a.m. Um, and now I guess let's let's do the. Egg. Uh, are we, are we going to talk Global Game Jam?
3: Oh yeah. yeah. I was, that, like, was, that was, that was going <laughs> to be, <laughs> be our post. why I was here.
2: I yeah, thought so. that that was. Yeah.
0: No. My <laughs> uh, my apologies. So, Kevin, you were at the Global Game Jam this weekend. Yes. Uh, do you want to quickly kind of fill us in on what that was all about? Uh, what happened here in Dallas? And,
1: and what was your, your
2: favorite your game? Yeah. So I guess yeah. at first, actually, what is the Global Game Jam?
3: So the Global Game Jam, <laughs> as the name suggests, is a globally uh, run. Uh, game jam that happens once a year, this time of year, every year, for the last 10 years. It was the 10th anniversary. Oh, wow. And what nice. they do is they present a... They have a couple keynote speakers followed by a theme. And the theme is usually a single word, um, and... In recent times, like this year, they had to make it very clear that it is one particular definition of said (laughs) word. Um, And the games have to... That's the only requirement of the game. The game doesn't even have to necessarily be a video game. It can be a tabletop game if you want. But it has to relate to that theme. Um, Then they also give you technically 44? 40, I think maybe 42 hours. Um, not quite two full not days. Not
0: quite
2: 48,
3: yeah. Um, to, to do it. Technically, it's 48 hours from the moment it kicks off at 5 p.m. on Friday to the moment everything's done at 5 p.m. on Sunday. Um, but the problem is you have to have your game done in time to upload it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and everybody's uploading it. Uh, yeah. One of the interesting th- things they do, because it's worldwide... It's five p.m. for every time zone, um, so that helps
2: uploading. Yeah,
3: right. And on top of it, they also make sure that nobody talks about what the actual theme is until it's five o'clock in Hawaii, uh, because after that, everybody who's participating knows what the theme. Then you're allowed to talk about yeah. it. Um, so this year, the theme was transmission. Um, And so that was the the general guideline. I went down to Richland College this year. In previous years, we have only had one Dallas-based location, which was Collin College. And I had been going to that for several years. Last year, Collin College, I think, had something like 85 people. Um, It was just way too many for such a small space. So this year, they decided to branch off and have one in Richland as well. And uh, the Richland College people had 15 to 20, Uh, so they pulled a a decent amount, and one of the organizers from Colin went over to help organize uh, the one at Richland, and so I didn't get a chance to see what Colin had done, which, being a larger group, I think they had something like 58 or 60 sign up beforehand, Um, and then there's usually some people who show up, like, that Friday and sign up that Friday. Um, So, yeah. I didn't get to see the bulk of their games. In Richland, uh, there was two games being made. Uh, Technically, there was a third one, but the third one didn't make it to the finish line. Mm. Uh, So the ones that actually did get finished, one of them was called How to Make Your Friends Hate You, I think. Um, And the entire game was, uh, you were two player. One player, both of the players are tethered to each other. So with like a bungee cord. So if they get too far away it snaps back and then you can also use a magnet repellent to push yourself away and the entire strategy is you're using the two of you to knock a ball in the form of some soccer player uh like it's just the soccer player's head over into a goal uh the inspiration was that uh get over it game uh that came out recently Hmm. um and so they got theirs done. Oh, I take it back. There was three that got done. I forgot about another one. Uh, another one was a uh, so that one we asked. Well, what was the transmission part? Um, and they they the concept that they were going with is that the magnet transmitting its magnetism. Um, so that was a bit of a stretch. Stretch, a, yeah. But, but the game
0: was all about stretching, right? right.
3: Ah. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, another game was called Virulent, and it was an interesting game where it was multiplayer, and your uh, every turn, like you go through rounds of each player choosing whether or not they want to expand their virus. Um, except you can expand your virus or somebody else's virus, and when you hit certain uh, number of viruses uh, in your space, like when you get four viruses in your space, it makes bigger virus and after a certain point it starts uh, basically infecting other people Um, and so the strategy is that you can choose not to uh, infect yourself because you might not be ready to cause the chain reaction Um, and so it's a little bit about timing so that you get the biggest bang for your buck in infection Um, and of course transmission being the transmission of disease yeah that's interesting I like that. And was
2: that one digital as well, or is that an analog they, game?
3: All of these were. This, while this was this was digital, yeah. it was very clearly designed from a, a tabletop yeah. perspective. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, um,
0: I, I like the interesting aspect of like uh, competing with other people and being able to like enhance their virus so that it goes viral first and can be like. Uh, the focus of media attention or mm-hmm. whatever while you were trying to grow your mm-hmm. virus. Yeah. Like, that's a really cool concept uh,
3: that I haven't thought about.
2: Competitive before. cooperative is started something yeah. that's like started to kind of become more popular. It's yeah. a really cool design. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the last one I didn't get a chance to see because they were still uploading it towards, they were like yeah. running at the wire. Um, but you should be able to go to the uh, Global Game Jam website, which okay. I believe is globalgamejam.org. Um, And you can look at the individual location pages, and it will let you download and play all of the games. Cool.
2: So Um, you could go to uh, Richland College and to Collin College and see what games came out of there. Right, and you
3: can also see what games did not get completed. Oh, okay, cool. uh, My game, for instance, the not-completed one, um, you you can find the summary for it, but there won't be any file to download because we didn't get it done on time. Okay,
2: so you can't even upload it late, and then it's just not a part of Uh, the...
3: Technically speaking, you can upload it until 5 p.m. Hawaii time. Okay. Uh, But we had gotten to the point where it was 3 o'clock and we had hit uh, two major hurdles Mm -hmm. for the end state of the game. And so we could have spent the next X number of hours working on it, uh, but we just decided that we would Go do some research this week and just finish it on our own next weekend. Sure, cool. Um, we cool. just enjoyed the process. It was a it was a two and a half man operation. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! We, yeah, we borrowed a person for two hours to help
1: us. <laughs> I'm curious, what was uh, what was your game?
3: Uh, so our game was uh, using something called diversifiers, uh, which basically every year they give you a list of uh, elements to Im- implement into your games, and you can choose. Uh, And it's kind of like a a bragging rights scenario. And so one of the things was uh, not using a made-up language. So you couldn't use any actual real-world language. And so our game was basically the telephone game sort of deal. Like Hmm. somebody's asking you a question, and you have to go and relay some information and figure out, but you have to decipher the whole language in the process. Um, that was the, the concept, and it was all set to a theme of the music video, Take On Me. <laughs> because 80s pop music inspiring the, theme, uh, the visuals for your game was one of the diversifiers. That's great. Um, and so we, we had gotten to the point where um, they asked the question, you had the answers, you could, you could click on the answers, it wouldn't do anything when you clicked on the answers, um, and also you could accidentally fall off of the game. So mm. at that point, we were like, well, we can't release a game that you, like, half, 90% of it you can't complete. So, mm. um, But the, uh, we're going to be working on it, and the, the idea is that uh, if this works out well, we'll just create multiple levels based on multiple different 80s music videos <laughs> and like stuff that. like that. That's fine.
0: That's a yeah. great idea. Take On Me is, like, one of my favorite music video, like, just songs that's ridiculous.
1: Have, have you, you seen the the literal
0: version? Oh no! But have you look s- that up later? Okay. But but have you seen the one where the the guy does the running? Oh, the viral, yeah. Uh, I can't think of what his oh. name is, but he he does like the weird running, and he has one. For it's a YouTube on. video, yeah. yeah. It's
1: yeah. great. So, oh, somebody goes shopping, something like that. I don't know. The the like naked mannequin, right? No, it's, like, no, no, like no, no. Place? Oh,
0: okay. No, okay. he like literally he runs by like knee, high knee stepping. Okay. Uh, and just running down the street like that, but then it's take on me playing in the background. And he
2: did a series of them. It's yeah. like it was like <laughs> actually a story that was told over four different yeah, like totally. videos with four different eighty songs. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty
0: great. I think I, I think he was a yeah, Vine, Vine was creator for a while. Yeah, yeah okay. um, so yeah. back in the Vine days. Um, but yeah. So but yeah. Cool. So, uh, so next global.
3: year Global Game Jam, uh, there's a lot of interest in in getting a third location that's not on. This side of DFW, one that's mm. closer to mid cities. Okay. Uh, because there's a number of people from Fort Worth yeah. and they have to drive for like an hour.
0: I wonder if like GameStop or something. I mean, they have their whole yeah. like indie uh, development uh, side of GameStop and they own Congregate, right? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, they have they, space. maybe if they yeah. have space or something like that, or AT&T has the foundry and stuff like that over in Irving. Um, well,
3: there are a few other requirements for becoming a Game Jam site. Okay. Right. Um, they specifically, they have to have an internet speed to support yeah. uh, all of that stuff. They do have to have the space. You technically don't have to provide computers, okay. but it's preferred if you can provide for mm-hmm. computers, which is why a lot of times they're at local colleges. I see what you mean. Yeah, Interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, well, maybe uh, yeah. if uh, if anybody listens to this episode that is interested in uh, helping push that yeah. forward, maybe that's a a good thing. If there's to a makerspace, or
2: yeah. I mean, even like somebody Ed. like uh, a Funimation or something, yeah. if like they have space or something, yeah, totally, they'd be interested. You would probably talk to some people sponsor Funimation it. and yeah.
0: see. Yeah, so, cool. Uh, yeah. So time-wise, uh, we should really get uh, finished. But with that this. sounds awesome.
2: So it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
3: Cool. I had fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody that I was around had fun. Cool. Uh, so good. Awesome. Well, all. Uh, yeah. So. Um,
0: I guess uh, let's do outros. Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, I'm David. Uh, oh, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I'm David Farris uh, uh, You can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at David S. Farris F-A-R-E-S. Uh, and uh, pretty much any social media, you can find me at David S. Forrest. Uh,
2: I'm at Eric Brody. You can hit me up on Twitter at Eric Brody.
1: I'm Michael Sewell. You can hit me up. Uh, on Twitter, at Sewell Softworks.
2: And thank you to our guest for coming today,
3: Kevin. And Thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. And uh, you can't hit me up on social media. Well, you probably could if you dug fa- far enough, but I'm not very good at the social media right now. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to get better. So
2: people okay. can meet you at one of the coffee clubs.
3: Yes. Yeah. And uh, trust me, you'll piece together who I am pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so again,
0: uh, hopefully you and... Enjoyed this first podcast uh this first uh coffee club recap uh and uh join us one of these times and let us know that you found us through the podcast if uh, if we haven't met you before uh, so thanks again for listening bye Sorry, right, we,
3: <laughs> we can be goofy again is that what you said yeah <laughs> oh, okay.